Welcome to Southside Church of Christ. Uh, if you're visiting today, my name is Barrett, and I'm one of the ministers. We want to say welcome to you, and Happy New Year. What a great way to begin our new year together uh, this morning by gathering here at Southside. Uh, and today, we have a special day of prayer. Um, we Last year, uh, we began our year with just a special day committed to prayer, um, and we wanted to do that again this year, kind of make that a tradition for our church family on the first Sunday of the year to commit our time uh, to prayer. And so that's what we're going to do today. Um, and so just to prepare you for that, we're going to conclude our time uh, by gathering around the table and taking the Lord's Supper together. Uh, but leading up to that time, we're going to commit our time to prayer. And so we're going to... Um, kind of have four uh, different prayer focus areas uh, based on our mission statement. And so you'll see that the mission statement is put up on the wall behind us today. Um, And so we're going to have uh, some special times of of worship and prayer based on the four parts of our mission statement today. And so... uh, how this will go is uh, that the part of the mission statement will be displayed on the wall on the screens, and there'll be a time of silence just for you to have some silent prayer, um, and then we'll worship together, and then one of our shepherds um, will lead us in prayer to kind of conclude that portion. And so um, we're, we've really been looking forward to beginning our new year off in this way. We're thankful that you're here with us. Uh, that we can pray and, and have this time of worship together this morning. Let's pray. Our great and our loving Heavenly Father, uh, we recognize the wonderful gift that you have given to us to be able to call you Father, uh, to be able to have a deep and abiding relationship with you. We acknowledge that this blessing is not something that we have earned and certainly not something we deserve, but it is purely a gift that you gave us through the atoning sacrifice of your son. So this morning, we just want to say thank you for this unconditional love and the awesome gift of salvation that you have given us. Thank you for rescuing us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your son and our savior, Jesus Christ. And it is because of this great gift that you have given us that we want to be a church that seeks the lost. Father, we pray that you touch our hearts so that we long for the salvation of every person in every nation on the face of the earth. May your spirit deepen our anguish over those lost in darkness. We cry out to you to give us a desire and a burden for all to be saved and to know the truth. Help us to be faithful in both prayer and action for all men, women, and children you place upon our hearts and give us a burden to seek you on their behalf. Father, your word tells us that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Make us workers, Father, on your behalf to share the good news we have with the lost. Use us as your vessels to show your love and share the gospel of salvation. Help us to be your light in their lives. Show us how to be effective witnesses and how to show acts of love to them on your behalf. 
Faithful Father, we are so heartbroken because we all have family members. Friends, neighbors, and co-workers. who have not yet accepted your Son as their Lord and Savior. So, Father, this morning we want to lift each one of these up, each of these lost ones to you, and ask that you touch their hearts. And call them to you. Father, you are the God of heaven's armies. We know that we are living in challenging times when our enemy has convinced the people of the world that he does not exist and that you are a harsh God. There are many people that are rebelling against you because they do not understand who you are. God, help those who are lost to come to know you, son, so that they can see you for who you really are, a kind, a merciful, and a loving God. We pray that you'll indwell your Holy Spirit in them. God, remove the evil influences from their lives that are blocking them from accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We know that the enemy has blinded the hearts of the lost so that they are not able to hear your voice when you call them. Lord, remove the heart of stone from them and replace it with the heart of flesh so that you can be able to receive your son, Jesus, and to hear your voice. Father, let every lie that the enemy has told them over time be exposed by your word. Let the truth prevail for their lives. Holy God, we also know that you are the great physician. There are so many people who are hurting today, and because of the pain that they carry on the inside, they have turned against you. They think that you are behind their pain, and have therefore decided to rebel against you, just the way the devil is telling them to do it. We know the real enemy is the devil, and he is out to destroy them. So we pray that you would heal the hearts of your children, and give them ears to be able to hear you calling them. We pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to convict the hearts of those who are living in sin. Prepare the hearts of those who do not know you to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray that their eyes will be opened so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the grip of Satan to the freedom of God. We pray that you will move to remove whatever is blocking their minds to receive the gospel. Father, send the right people to walk alongside them and proclaim the gospel to them. 
so that they can know how much you love them and the great sacrifice you made at the cross on their behalf. Father, your word tells us that you are patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So, Father, So, Father, we ask for your continued patience and mercy. On behalf of those who are lost, we ask that you grant them the time that is needed for them to be able to hear and respond to your call. Protect them from the evil one and from harm while they grapple with the life and death decision of responding to the gospel. Help them to come to know that it is only in surrendering themselves to you that they will find the true rest, peace, and unconditional love that they seek, desire, and need. So, loving Father, this morning we collectively join our prayers together asking you for a great awakening among the lost in our families, our city, our state, our nation, and our world. To the saving truth, place on our hearts those that you would have us reach out to and share the wonderful good news of the gospel. We pray that you will use us as your hands and your feet to serve the lost and help point them to you. We long to see a lost world turn to you for hope and salvation. And Father, we humbly ask these things in the powerful name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, it's because of your son Jesus that we are comforted. As our shepherd, O Lord, you watch over us by night and by day. You are present with us, Father, always. During our difficult periods of life, you hold us close in your embrace. You've even sent us your Son, Jesus, to be our Savior from this world. You have sent us your spirit of truth to help us, to guide us, to comfort us, to advocate for us. Father, you have even prepared a place for us in heaven, a place where we can be at home with you when we depart this world.
Father, it is only in your presence where we find comfort. Father, it is only in your presence where we find peace. As your sons and daughters teach each of us to be a comfort to one another, teach us to be a comfort to the hurting. Teach us as wares of the Christ. that we be answering to that name, that we are the type of individuals who are an exact reflection of you. We want to wear your name Christian proudly. We want to honor you, Father. We want to be a tangible and a visible form of love and comfort and of peace. Your love, your comfort, and your peace. We desire to be the epitome of you, Father. Your people, your family, who cares and loves others above our individual selves. A family desirous and capable of helping others find your comfort. A family who are desirous and capable of pointing others to you. For we will only know your true and blessed assurance by seeking your heart, Lord, and your will. Teach us, Father, as a family, how to continually re-engage the human touch here at Southside and throughout the world. Whether we engage with others by calling on a phone, texting, writing a card or letter, praying, Father, Presenting our physical selves, teach us how to better embrace you and comfort others, whether donating our time, whether giving of what we possess, by encouraging others. by being a positive influence to those around us intentionally. Teach us to be prepared to involve others in your comfort by already possessing that comfort that you give us 
in our lives. We desire to be a conduit of your love. In modern English, Father, teach us to present ourselves as an app for that love. A love you so easily embrace us with. Our embracing of others always, always requires our reaching out in some way to both protect and to comfort and encourage and in strengthen those who are in need and who are hurting. Help us as a congregation, Father, to have an outpouring of action by our sharing a tear. By learning to say nothing and be present. Learning, Father, to speak the truth not with some random song or words that we come up with off the top of our head, but through thought, through empathy. Help us to embrace one another through song, through prayer, through an understanding of who you are, Father, Help us to love and to carry our thoughts and desires for our lives in you to other people. Help us to correctly use our emotions. Not to tangle others up but to be open and free and loving. Present us, Father, as useful people in your service. Give us the ability and every tool at our disposal to show your love and your peace. Help us to be a simple friend Help us to find and search out for friends with whom we can be embraced. Help us to love on one another. Take our rusty, worn, ragged instrument of your love and turn it into an embrace that is loving and pure and individually honest and caring. The shepherds here at Southside encourage the flock to look into their souls. We encourage each other to be mindful of themselves and others. We want everyone in our family 
to embrace goodness and to find the embrace that they need from you. Father, there are people hurrying, I would even add that everyone in this building, everyone who hears my voice, everyone who hears from your spirit right now is hurting in some way. It's inevitable. We are human. We have concerns. We have fears. We've had problems in our lives. We see the problems that are in this world. We hope and we regret. Father, we have longings that may never come to pass. But with your promises, we know they will, even after we're gone. And that is such a comfort. There are those who are in desperate need for salvation. Saving from themselves, Father. You have taught us to love everyone, to love the person and to hate the sin. Help us, Father, to learn how to engage those where the sin is hated, so much like your son did. Look at him. Look at him at the well with the woman. Look at him on the cross with the thief. We look at Christ in so many stories, so many history lessons in the Bible, and we've learned how to prepare ourselves to have an honest, non-angry, but yet possibly emotional discussion with people, a caring, a loving embrace. Because of your son, Jesus, we have committed here at Southside to embrace the hurting. We ask, Father, that you cover all of us. O Lord, in your presence, keep us in remembrance that here at Southside, our family are called on to embrace you, to embrace one another, and certainly to embrace those who are hurting outside of our family. God, you are our shepherd, and we will never want. We pray this prayer through your son Jesus' name. Amen.
Let's continue in prayer. Lord, we have been raised up with you in Christ, and you tell us that we are to seek the things that are above, where you now are seated at the right hand of your Father. You ask us to set our minds on things that are above and not on things that are here on this earth. For you have died, and you tell us that our life now has been hidden in you, in God. And therefore you ask us to put to death whatever is earthly in us, sexual immorality, Impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, idolatry. These are all ways that we used to walk, Lord. But now you ask us even further to put away anger and wrath and malice and slander, obscene talk from our mouth, that we do not lie to each other. You've asked us to put off all these old things all these old practices. And you've called us to put on a new self, one which is being renewed in your knowledge, one that is signified by the unity of all believers. And Father, these things that you have asked us to put on, this year I pray for five things for Southside. I pray that you equip us with compassionate hearts that you equip us with kindness. You equip us with humility. You equip us with gentleness. And you equip us with patience. All these things reside within us because your spirit resides within us. But we must learn to operate in them. Father, in compassion, help us before we ever say anything to try to feel what another person is feeling. As Barrett has so often reminded us, compassion is feeling another person's pain in your own heart. It's helping us realize that everyone has a story. And sometimes, Father, before we can compassionately connect with another person, we need to touch the pain that has come in our own lives so that we can sympathize and empathize with another person. You did this for us. You were made like us, human in every way. You became a merciful and faithful high priest for us that made atonement for our sins, but you suffered because you wanted to know what it felt like so that you could empathize in our own weakness. One who knows and how has been tempted in every way, but you did not sin, but you can feel what we feel, so help us be compassionate by attempting to touch those feelings of another person. And Father, it is compassion that often is the catalyst that leads to kindness. Father, the first thing we should think is, how can I help? And it might sound cliche, but kindness is simply something that comes through kind acts. The act of meeting real needs. And Father, oftentimes this is done better through small acts of kindness than great plans. And again, you showed us how to do this in Scripture. It's your loving kindness that you tell us is better than life. And Father, it is you who are merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and truth. And Father, so it's from that example that you tell us that we should use whatever gifts you've given us and talents that we've received to be faithful stewards of your grace to other people. 
Lord, fill us, we pray, with your light and your life that we might be able to show forth your goodness to others. Grant that your love may so fill our lives that that we may count nothing too small to do for you, nothing too much to give, and nothing too hard to bear. As you stir our hearts with compassion, Lord, fill our minds with kindness, help us function through humility. Before we say anything, Father, help us listen well, first to you and then to those that are around us. Lord, in order for us to listen well, we need not only use our ears, but help us use our eyes and our minds as well. Help us see what you see and think what you think. For humility is the soil in which every good thing in the Christian life grows. It's in your definition of humility, Father, that you don't ask us to think less of ourselves. No, you just simply ask us to think more of others. And again, you provide the example through your son, Jesus, who says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, that though he was in the form of you, God, he didn't consider it something, equality, uh, robbery to be equal with you, but he made himself of no reputation. And he took the form of a servant. And in that same way, Father, I ask, that if we have any encouragement from you, any comfort from your love, any participation with your spirit, any sympathy or affection, that we complete your joy by being the same mind of Jesus. Lord, help us think his thoughts. Having the same love. Help us love his way. Being in full accord in one mind. Help us be unified, for it is our greatest testimony to a world that needs you. Help us not operate from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but Lord, in humility, may we count others more significant than ourselves, not just looking to our own interests, but also looking to the interests of others. Humility is the way to be, and it is the way to live among other people. And unfortunately, Father, it is lacking in our world. And truly, if we are honest, It is lacking in our lives as followers as well. Father, it's in humility that we recognize we need your help, that we must acknowledge that we can't succeed in our own strength. And we must thank you for the talents and gifts that you've given us and then give you credit for anything that we might accomplish. Lord, help us be comfortable in who we are in Jesus Christ and seek to build others up, to gratefully walk in grace and love and forgiveness. Help us diffuse arguments through humility because we have no need to stand up for ourselves in an angry manner. In fact, we have no need to win every argument for we know that a gentle answer is what turns away wrath, but it is harsh words that stir up anger. We know we can handle unfair treatment peaceably when we're humble. We can respond to unfair treatment without being bitter. Godly humility means that we do not need to feel a need for vengeance or revenge because you call us to get rid of bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander and every form of malice and to be kind and compassionate to one another and to forgive just as you've forgiven us. Father, we don't have to put on a false front when we're humble because the better we know God, the less we have to prove to other people. When we are humble, 
We can respond and learn from criticism without being defensive. Whether it's deserved or not deserved, we can be aware of our failures without being emotionally devastated. We can ask for forgiveness when we're humble. Even if we think we're only 1% in the wrong, we can easily apologize for what we did. In fact, you tell us that if we ever find ourselves in a place of worship and realize that someone has something against us, we are to leave the altar and immediately go be reconciled with that brother. Help us live that truth this year. Help us talk with the right attitude when we're humble. Help us be courtesy and loving regardless of any situation because that is how we really can be firm in our stand and action for you is through our demeanor. Don't let unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, Father, but only that which is good for building other people up. Lord, if compassion is to overflow from our hearts and our minds become increasingly creative in our expression of a kindness and humility is the spirit by which we live and move in our world, then gentleness must be our mouthpiece. Your word tells us that gentleness comes from a state of humility. And we're not to live with a spirit of timidity or fear, but we're to live with power that comes from the spirit of your son that lives within us. Yet that power must be expressed with great restraint and reserve. We are to restrain our power from you in order to allow room for others. Gentleness is demonstrated in our response to others, especially those who are under our care. So, Father, we ask that you give us gentle hearts because we know that the product of a true, growing, gospel-centered nature is revealed through that gentle heart. A gentle heart accepts your wisdom, Father, so help us accept your wisdom and your discernment knowing that we will be able to come alongside people and say the right thing at the right time in the right way. Don't let words come out of our mouth that would not honor you. May gentleness be our signature move, our calling card, our primary mode of communication, our demeanor in when we're disciplining others, our method of engagement with people in the world, the way that we think, and more importantly, the fruit that we give to others. And finally, Father, may all this be wrapped in patience. Our role in this world is not to seek to change others. Our role is to allow you to change us. And patience is something that we give to other people knowing that we are to wait because you are working on them. Therefore, we put up with their nuances. We put up with it with an attitude that does not complain but seeks to love them the way you've loved us. Father, help us exhibit our patience as one who waits without complaining but one who looks expectantly and hopeful for what you're going to do in the life of another person. And Father, you tell us above these five things, it is love that binds them all together. So Father, may our love bind our compassion, our kindness, our humility, our gentleness, and our patience. And that will be the peace of Christ that will rule in our hearts and in this world. We pray this in your name. Amen. Before I pray about this mission statement, I want to read a short grace story from the Gospel of Luke. There are a lot of great grace stories. 
this is one that's personally been convicting to me, and I wanted you to hear it so that you'd know the heart behind my prayer, our prayer, uh, this morning. Jesus went to a Pharisee's house to eat, and a woman of the city, who was a sinner, learned that Jesus was there, and she went to see him, taking with her an alabaster flask of ointment. Kneeling at his feet, she began to cry, and her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them with her hair. She kissed his feet and anointed them with oil, with the ointment. And when the Pharisee saw this, he said within himself, If this Jesus was a prophet, he would know who and what manner of woman it is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Jesus said to the Pharisee, Simon, I have a question. A certain moneylender had two debtors, one who owed 500 days wages and another who owed 50 days wages. Neither could pay the lender, and the lender canceled the debt for both of them. Now, which of the two debtors do you think loved him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one who was forgiven the larger debt. And Jesus replied, you are right. Turning to the woman, but saying to Simon, when I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, no kiss. You did not anoint my head with oil. This woman has wet my feet with her tears, wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and anointed them with her ointment. She loves much because she feels forgiven of much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. Let's pray. Father God, there is no reason that anyone in this place or hearing my voice should ever love you little. None of us should ever have Simon's small understanding that we have required only a little forgiveness. Every one of us has a debt that was impossible to pay. And it is not a debt we place on a scale and weigh against the sins of our neighbor or our friend, this woman, or even our enemy, and feel a sense of relief or satisfaction. We know there are no good people and no bad people. Father, just debtors before you. We compare ourselves to the righteousness of Jesus and we are humbled and brought to tears and feel just how far we have fallen away from you. We feel like this woman did, the great burden and weight of our debt. We say like Isaiah, the prophet who saw a vision of your holiness and said he was doomed and unclean. We sing like John Newton, the former slave trader, that we are a wretch. And we cry out like the publican in the gospel of Luke who stood alone in his shame and prayed, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And you answered our prayer, dear God. You did not leave us alone. You gave us the gift of yourself, the Son and the Spirit the gifts of grace, a debt that is forgiven, we are pardoned from its penalty, and we enjoy a continuous cleansing in a life of mistakes, but one determined to live after you. And we embrace the promise, the guarantee that grace gives us that we will have a life with you beyond this one. And Father, we are a church who celebrates grace, your amazing, saving grace. 
Grace that sounds scandalous when we read about it in Scripture because it sounds too good to be true. But we believe there is no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We believe that neither height nor depth, thing present or thing to come, can separate us from your love in Christ Jesus. And we walk in that truth here at Southside. We have tasted it, and it is sweet. And we have felt the release from the burden and the refreshment of our souls. And we, you have turned our mourning into dancing and our sorrow into joy. And we celebrate your grace, and we pray that everyone who enters these doors, who meets us along the way, is called by it, receives it, tastes it, experiences it, because it will change their life forever. May we always be a grace-filled family. May Southside never love little. Help us to continually pour out the great grace that we have received. May it fill the air in our church with a pleasing aroma, just like this woman's ointment did at Simon's house. And all of God's people said, Amen. There's a well-known principle of human behavior that states if you're asking for a favor, you'll get a better response if you provide a reason. Simply put, people like to have a reason for the things that they do. There's a study that's been called the copy machine study. Uh, It was performed by social psychologist Ellen Longer back in the 1970s. And in this study, she demonstrated the importance of providing a reason with a very simple experiment. What she did was she uh, asked a small favor of people waiting in line to use a uh, library photocopier. So she went into a library, there's a photocopier, there's people waiting in line to use it, and she conducted an experiment. And so the first time she asked, excuse me, I have five pages. May I use the copy machine? With this request, only 60% of those that she asked let her cut in line. So there was 40% who said, wait your turn and get in the back. So the next time, she provided a reason. She asked, excuse me, I have five pages. May I use the copy machine because I'm in a hurry? Well, the request with a reason added resulted in near total effectiveness. This time, 94% of the people she asked let her skip ahead of them in line. Now, you might conclude that it was not just providing a reason that made the difference, but it was the specific reason that she asked that she gave of being in a hurry. Therefore, Dr. Longer tested a third type of request that showed that this was not the case, that it was not the specific reason that made the difference, but simply the word because that made all the difference. So her third request did not include a real reason at all. She just used the word because, but then added nothing new and instead just restated the obvious. 
So this final time she asked, excuse me, I have five pages. May I use the copy machine because I have to make some copies? (laughs) This last time, nearly everyone agreed. 93%. No real reason, no new information was added. Simply the word because. Now, this is my takeaway from the copy machine study. Having a because makes all the difference. It could be a good because. It could be a made-up because. But having a because makes all the difference. And my question for us to consider this morning is what is your because? Here on the second day of 2022, as we enter this new year together, perhaps your life doesn't feel as effective as it should. Perhaps your life seems meaningless. Perhaps your life seems void of purpose. So allow me to suggest this morning that perhaps the reason you feel this way or perhaps the reason that it seems this way to you is that you're living your life without a because. You know, we're all prayed up. What a wonderful time that we've spent together this morning praying through our mission statement. But you'll notice that our mission statement begins with this simple phrase, because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, we seek the lost. Because of Jesus, we embrace the hurting. Because of Jesus, we equip the saved. Because of Jesus, we celebrate God's grace. What if we lived our lives in such a way that everything that we did began with that phrase? Because of Jesus, I woke up this morning. Because of Jesus, I I had my breakfast and a good cup of coffee. Because of Jesus, fill in the blank. You see, the because matters. A simple reading of Scripture teaches us this. this. Living your life as a Christian and leaving out the because is like reading the Bible and leaving out the because. What if we read the Bible and just left out the because? Let me give you some examples of, of what I mean. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Cast all of your anxiety on him. 1 John 4, 19. We love. Titus 3, 5. He saved us. 
Romans 8, 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, all of those examples are still great and true statements. But listen to them again when you add the because. 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. Titus 3, 5. He saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Romans 8, 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. The because matters. The because makes all the difference. And here at the beginning of every week, we gather together around this table as a church family to remember our because. This is our because. Before we start thinking about our busy weeks, before we do anything else, the first thing we do on the first day of the week, gather together to remember our because. It's because of Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, it's, it's because of Jesus that we gather here this first day of the week, this first Sunday of the year. It's because of Jesus that we worship you, celebrate your great love, your amazing grace. It's because of Jesus that we Remember the cross. And that we turn from those sins that he bore on that cross. It's because of Jesus that we praise you for our full redemption, for our spiritual adoption. It's because of Jesus that we live each and every day as eternal citizens of your kingdom. It's all because of Jesus. We take this bread in remembrance of him, his name that I pray, amen.
Let's pray together for the cup. Jesus, we thank you for the life that you gave for us. Lord, fill us. Just as this juice fills us this morning. Lord, fill us with the strength, with the desire, with the hope, with the spirit to follow you each moment, each breath. May every waking action be for you and because of you. Pray this in your name. Amen. Morning, everybody. What a great way to start 2022. I just want to thank our shepherds for the prayers, Gregory with the songs that so well tie into the message, uh, and Barrett reminding us what our because is. Uh, So anyway, very grateful for everyone uh, being here today, and uh, let's, uh, let's go to God in prayer. Father, we praise, honor, and glorify you. We've prayed about seeking the lost, embracing the hurting, equipping the saved, and celebrating your incredible grace. But in order to do that, we must start by loving you with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our minds, with all of our strength. And only then can we love our neighbor as ourselves. praise you and thank you for being our because and we beg for your spirit to guide us father we need you we love you we praise you in the name of your son who has made it all possible amen all right got one more song you may have done some reflection over this year that just ended and you may be thinking about what this coming year holds. One thing is true, God will not leave us alone. So let's stand up and sing about that.